Welcome to Machine Learning. Uh, just a recap for this week. Um, starting to look at uh, uh, reusing PyTorch to analyze time series. Uh, you know, I want to co do a comparison to see how the uh, PyTorch Convolution 1D does performs against uh, a LSTM long short term memory uh, network and uh, and hopefully if it uh, performs very well then we can use uh, PyTorch for doing uh, time series prediction so in looking at time series again time series has to do with date uh, timestamp and that's a pandas uh, timestamp and you can uh, you can set that up and then you can use that data frame as an index or excuse me use the timestamp as an index um, and then so that becomes important because you can now uh, aggregate your your data in terms of different periods uh, month year, day, quarter, and so forth. And, and that's really nice because a lot of times, you know, you're interested in how you performed in a certain quarter, how you performed in a certain month. Maybe you want to know uh, a cumulative for the, a given year or a specific period of time, which uh, if you were dealing with uh, financials, then it would be the fiscal year, which does not necessarily have to start on January 1st. It could start on any month, but it could run for 12 periods of time. So uh, you could then do calculations of intervals of where your windows are, are uh, 12, 12 periods, where each period is equal to a month. Uh, so that you, it does introduce a new construct type uh, called period. And uh, the period, uh, you can treat that with like math, for example, if you wanted to uh, take a certain year-month combination, create the period, and then if it's in a month interval, if you add one to it, then it'll, it'll be the next month. If it was in a year period, and you add one to it, it'll be the next year. Um, and, uh, and you can go, go between timestamp to period and period back to timestamp. So those are, that's kind of a nice feature there. And when you look at business, um, business operates in large measure uh, by time. A lot of things are happening over a certain time, like invoices over a certain time, payables over a certain time, debt over a certain time, etc. And, you know, we, we talked about the, the fiscal forecasting where you're looking at different ratios uh, to see, you know, kind of the health of your, your business. And those become then, you know, key indicators. And um, uh, a lot of that data then is time-based. And so uh, you, you're looking at uh, analyzing the data from an aspect of time frame. Time is really important. Uh, like yesterday, I was we were, got talking about the Indians' 13-month uh, calendar, which is the 13 moons, 29.6 uh, days on the, each moon cycle, and 
you know, they were watching the moon uh, from three, you know, as it uh, went around the earth, 360 degrees. And, uh, and uh, in that process, uh, there would be an extra five days. So to get to the, the certain ratio where um, the completion of the cycle of the moon around the earth would be 30 units and uh, the 13th month would be five days. Now I had in my notes that it was 10 days and I've got to fig try to figure out why I put 10 days but the calculations look like it should be five days on the 13th month. And so there had to be agreement of when summer solstice was. So they were watching the sun and that became a critical point, a reference point uh, to, the, to the 13th month calendar was the summer solstice. The interesting facts there. And then I found that the Cherokee and the Iroquois and uh, there's some other tribes that uh, use the 13th month calendar. I know the Mayan did. And, uh, and the Hopewell did. And there's in Ca Castle Casa Grande, they had a, a marker where they were watching an 18 year moon cycle. So every 18 years, uh, the moon would come through a certain square box on the, on the home. And that was uh, important to their religious customs. To recognize that, and that then once you get to the moon cycles, then you get to the Venus cycle of the 260 days, and then you you know you're connecting to the Mayan calendar because they're all based on the Venus uh, cycles, and uh, then you can calculate the Jupiter cycles and the Saturn cycles and Pilates and uh, so forth. Um, Cyrus, Cyrus was another important cycle. And uh, the Egyptians were definitely watching Cyrus, and uh, the Mayan were watching Pilates, and uh, Teotihuacan was watching the Pilates constellation instead of the Sirius constellation, where the Egyptians were watching Sirius, the dog star, and... Uh, watching the movement across the sky there and the march of the sun across the horizon uh, through the pods of Leo and that became the mystery of the Sphinx in my opinion. So, you know, a lot of clocks and they're important clocks uh, and we have evidence that, the, you know, the ancient people used those clocks and they, and they were for a purpose, you know, to, to measure uh, the elapse of time. And so we, we do the same thing. We have, uh, we have a common reference point in Greenwich, England, and uh, that becomes the reference point for which all our clocks are, are based on. And then there's different types of clocks. You know, we have atomic clocks. We have, uh, you know, we have sidereal clocks. We have synodic clocks. And, uh, um, but in Python, what you're doing is you're taking... You know, you, you can take universal time and and then uh, you can calculate that. I think universal time starts from uh, 1-1-1970 and a number of uh, 
milliseconds from that, or, or you could even go probably nanoseconds, I imagine. And uh, so dates that are before that are negative, and dates after that are uh, offsets after that are positive. And then you can do a calculation to figure out uh, number of seconds that elapsed, and then uh, add that to that reference point, and that'll give you your your date in universal time. Uh, we also have in Python, you have local time, you have time delta, and then it, you know it can uh, determine what time zone you're in, and then based on that time zone you're in, uh, you can calculate what the time is, and uh, you can figure out offsets, basically based on delta, based on the time zone you want to offset from. So say like if you're two o'clock our time, Mountain Standard Time, and you want to then find out what time it is in New York, then you would add the new time zone to the time delta and then add that to uh, the local time and that would tell you the time in that time zone. Really powerful stuff because in some countries, like in China, there's only one time zone and in other countries they have time zones that are, are changing all every day. And so you have to then query the, the time zone database to find out what those offsets are going to be. And so it's, it's just real interesting that there's no one uh, standard for the whole world for time. Um, and uh, yet, yet the Earth continues to revolve around the sun on a consistent basis and the moon around the earth and the earth uh, is uh, turning on a 24-hour basis on a consistent time frame with a 23 degree tilt which is interesting that gives us our seasons and and the earth does wobble so there's percussion and, and uh, interesting enough the egyptians somehow knew how to calculate for the wobble of the earth Anytime we talk about time, you know, that is a very critical. Uh, you get paid for your time, you know, a certain dollar amount per hour. So you're making a wage based on time. Your uh, performance is measured on time. Like if you run a race, how fast you run that race over a certain amount of distance. Uh, your uh, sleep has a certain amount of time. And we just switched to daylight savings. Uh, so time went forward. And I keep waking up at 6 o'clock. I usually wake up at 5 and start my data camp courses. And I am like woke up today about 6 and I'm like, dang. I got up at 6. I slept in. Well, actually, my wife reminded me, you didn't sleep in. You just woke up at your regular time. But you're an hour late. So uh, those are some things I've got to adjust for. So maybe get my alarm out and start it again so I can get up and get some coursework done. Try to get six courses done in the next couple of months. So uh, got a lot of busy schedule to keep and uh, hopefully, you know, you're uh, starting in your Python and, and uh, writing code and Eventually, I'd suggest probably, you know, answering some Stack Overflow questions, answer about 700 of them, and get really proficient at uh, answering the questions and reading the 
material and trying to understand the problems. And then, you know, look for um, questions that could be interesting that might uh, have you, you know, do some research and uh, figure out some of the different Pythonic ways to do certain tasks and then record it because the interesting thing will be is eventually you'll kind of forget about it and you'll want to have a way to search this material to find out how you did certain things. And uh, hopefully uh, that goes well for you and you can, uh, uh, you know, get, get really technical in Python. And, I, and if you look at the growth of Python and the pay rates that they're offering for the Python programmers, it is pretty impressive. Um, but there is a strong demand to utilize some of the machine learning features. And so uh, companies are realizing that uh, Python programmers are, are in demand and, and they're you know, taking the language more seriously and uh, utilizing it in their pipelines. And so uh, once companies feel that the, you know, the, the technology is safe and they can use it in their pipeline, they will. Uh, so last week was, I would say, kind of a challenging week. It was actually spent a lot of time trying to understand uh, Convolution 2D and, you know, just kind of the abstraction layer. What, they, what it looks like uh, the goal of the designer was is to abstract features as efficiently as you can using uh, convolution neural nets and uh, pooling algorithms. Uh, you're able then to efficiently extract out the features and then use a fully connected dense layer to store the features. And then uh, you can feed you can feed then new images for rep prediction into the, the network and uh, get, you know, then get a flat layer, uh, weighted layer on the uh, output and uh, that be, then we can become your, you can do, do a calculation on that to see um, what the predicted results will be. And so um, that weighted layer then is used, uh, you multiply that and then you, you get your uh, prediction and then you can plot out those predictions to see, uh, uh, look for accuracy. And uh, boy, I looked at this parking lot and I see all these trucks and I'm like, why are there all these trucks? They realize that uh, you have so many trucks. Almost look like a car dealership where you know you drive by and they just have a whole parking lot full of trucks. That's kind of impressive. Well, uh, this is uh, this is the challenge that we live in today: is uh, um, trying to uh, uh, understand our data and uh, <clears throat> providing value enough that the companies will be willing to hire you and uh, help them with their data, data needs.